Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the first of 10 planned Bible study lessons for this fall here at the Village Church in Rancho Santa Fe as we work our way through the New Testament book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. As we begin this study, it is extremely important for us to spend a bit of time thinking about the context in which the book was written, thinking about the author, thinking about many of the factors that surround the time of its writing and the reason for its writing. And so before we move into the text today, we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about these deep questions. They are perhaps more important as we study the book of Revelation than as we study any other book because Revelation has had such a long history of misinterpretation and misunderstanding. And so I hope that you spend some time with me now. We hope this will be just about 20 minutes long as we begin the study of this last book of the canonical scriptures of the Christian faith. First of all, we need to think a little bit about who wrote the book of Revelation. By the tradition of the church, it was the Apostle John, the son of Zebedee, one of the original disciples. Some commentators and scholars believe it was someone else, but the early church attributed this book to John. John was a Palestinian Christian, of course, probably a refugee who had left Israel due to the wars in the years 66 through 70. He was a Christian leader, of course, a pastor and a prophet. He tells us that he was exiled on the island of Patmos, an island in the Aegean Sea between modern-day Greece and Turkey. Patmos was an island where the Roman government sent prisoners to be exiled, and we think this probably had happened to John. When was it written is another important question. As with all of the books of the Bible, there is a bit of controversy about this. Almost certainly it was written sometime in the latter half of the first century in which Jesus lived, perhaps during the reign of Nero, perhaps during the time of the fall of Jerusalem between 69 and 72 or so, perhaps even as late as the reign of Domitian towards the very end of that century. What is Revelation, actually? It is a book of the Bible, but actually Revelation is not a book at all. Revelation is a letter that was written to seven specific churches in the first century, churches that had probably been founded mostly by the Apostle Paul, churches that existed in Asia, what is today modern-day Western Turkey. The letter was meant to be read aloud in worship, and that's really one of the best ways to understand Revelation. I would encourage all of you as we begin this study to sit down and read through the whole book all at once. That might seem like a daunting task, and of course there are parts that will be difficult to understand, but that would be a great way for you to get in touch with how it is that the first people who heard Revelation heard it in a live context of worship. Let's also remember that Revelation as a letter was meant to be understood. It was not secret at all. 
It was meant to speak to the people who heard it in the first century. It was only later on that this letter would become what we call canonical scripture, part of the sacred text that the church over the centuries has determined to be inspired by God and and God's written word to us. Let's think also about why the book of Revelation was written. It was written out of a pastoral concern, out of a time when there was incredible confusion and distress and persecution and trouble for the early Christians, during a time when early Christians sometimes were even executed because of their faith. You will remember that following the lifetime of Jesus There was great political and military trouble in Israel, and Jews and Christians left Israel to go to other parts of the Roman Empire. There were great tensions between the Christians and the Jews, and then later between Christians and Gentiles. The Christians were a minority within a minority. They faced not only persecution from Jews who did not accept that Jesus was Messiah, but they also faced persecution from Gentiles, particularly from Romans, who believed that there were many gods. And when Christians said there was one God, there was a problem. They faced problems from Romans who believed that the Caesar was the Lord, was God, but but Christians could only say that Jesus is the Lord. And so this tiny, persecuted Christian minority faced ostracism and fear. Ostracism from their neighbors and friends and families, and then eventually official persecution from the might of the Roman Empire. What would you do if you were a Christian in that time? There would be many tempting ideas. Perhaps you would quit your faith. You would say, following Jesus is not worth it if it's going to end up with me or with my family being killed. Perhaps you would lie about your faith and keep it only as a secret in your heart. You might try to fight to change the system, but that really was not an option for first century Christians. They were a tiny minority, and really the only ones who had any rights at all within the Roman Empire were Roman citizens. Today we would say, well, change the laws, change the government. That simply was not an option. The church had to find a way to adjust, to adapt, to accommodate, but but that too was not so much of an option, especially not for those who truly believed that there was only one Lord, and that was Jesus. And this Jesus, as Son of God, as God himself, would one day win the final victory against all the forces of evil. In a very real sense, oftentimes the only option those first Christians had was to stand up for their faith, to witness, to tell the truth about their faith, even if it meant that they might die. That's why Revelation was written, to people in that kind of context. Now, how was Revelation written? What is the literary style or genre in which Revelation is written? Well, it's written as apocalyptic. 
That word apocalyptic has come in our time and language to, to mean something that's a, a cataclysmic end to all things. And, and we see why that's the case, because of the way apocalyptic literature speaks. But let's understand what apocalyptic was in the first century. It was a well-known literary genre, a style of writing. It was, in some sense, also a social movement. People uh, associated themselves with this way of thinking about God and about themselves. It was a system of thought in the ancient world that, that the Jews had developed and that was then adopted by the Christians. Apocalyptic is characterized by this concern and this idea that that which is hidden about the world can actually be revealed or revelated, I suppose you could say. Apocalyptic literature involves discussion about vast upheaval in the whole structure of the world because the world is not the way it is meant to be, therefore it must change. Apocalyptic is about the decisive actions of God to restore and to renew his world. Apocalyptic literature, that style of writing and thinking, became very popular and very meaningful, especially among those people who were facing very, very difficult circumstances in life because of their faith. Apocalyptic wants to say that the end of this terrible time, this tribulation, if you will, is near, that history perhaps is nearly over. Now, remember this letter was written to people 2,000 years ago almost, and it was saying that the end was near for them, and so we will talk about that question because obviously the end has not come. Apocalyptic literature is grounded in the belief that God, the God and creator of all things, the God who is loving and good, this God is guiding history to the appropriate end to the purpose and the final fulfillment of what God designs for everything. Now, that is quite a stretch in some sense when you believe that there is a God who's going to put everything together in the way he wants it put together, and yet all you see around you is persecution and trouble and the power and might of the Roman Empire that has no use whatsoever for this Judeo-Christian God. Apocalyptic as a literary style uses symbolism to express deep truth. In a sense, that symbolism is code language. You have to be told what the symbols mean in order to understand it. And the church was often tempted and often successfully used this language as a way of spreading the truth about the gospel, but without anyone else knowing other than Christians themselves what was being said. Apocalyptic imagery uses art and impression and symbols more so than it uses propositions of truth. And because of the symbolic nature of Revelation, because of the art, because of the images, because of the wild and fantastic stories that are told in some sense, Revelation has been ripe for misinterpretation. Revelation throughout the whole history of its interpretation has been interpreted in ways that it was never intended. It has 
been filled with meaning by well-meaning people to discuss their own modern era, even our modern era today, in ways that the writer of Revelation never intended and that Revelation itself is not meant to discuss. I know most people in our culture today have studied Revelation in this kind of way, with people who supposedly know what all of these symbols mean, who supposedly are able to tell us when the end of history is going to happen. As a very young student of Scripture, over 40 years ago, there were popular interpreters of Revelation who predicted the end of the world in 1984 or the end of the world in the year 2000. And here we are 20 years later, and they were wrong. And so let me encourage you to open your mind to what perhaps for you will be a very different way of understanding what Revelation is all about. And let me propose to you that this different way is going to be very encouraging. It's going to be very intelligible. It's going to give you strength for your life today as well. Do not let the strange and weird things that go on, strange and weird to us at least, the things that go on in Revelation dissuade you or distract you or deter you from understanding what this important book is. Now, Revelation is written in an apocalyptic style of literature. It's also written in some sense in a prophetic style of literature, but that too is a word that is often misunderstood today. We think of prophecy today as foretelling the future. Somebody sitting down with a crystal ball or some strange cards or looking at lines on our hands and saying, this is what's going to happen. That's really not what prophecy is in the scripture. Prophetic ways of speaking and thinking theologically are, of course, extremely important in the entire scriptural record. But prophecy in the time of Jesus and in the time of those who wrote the scriptures was more about the business of speaking God's truth into modern situations, into contemporary situations. Isaiah and John, as he writes the apocalypse, are not thinking about the far-flung future. They are thinking perhaps about their immediate time and what might immediately happen. And it's only later that we see that what they had to say had great truth and meaning for all generations. All prophecy is meant ultimately to reveal to us the heart and mind of purpose of God. And so let's also approach that with great openness in our hearts. Now, as canonical scripture as what you and I as Christian believers understand is God's word written for us. We must take Revelation seriously. Revelation actually has a long history of controversial interpretation. There were some ancient church leaders and not so ancient, even people like Calvin and Luther, who did not spend much time with Revelation because it was so difficult to understand and comprehend and, and so, so ripe for misunderstanding. And yet Revelation still exists as part of the Bible the last word of the Bible. We must take it seriously, and we must understand its very important message to us today. The commentator Eugene Boring says that Revelation does not speak about our time, 
but it does speak to our time. That's an important way of understanding this book. One of my favorite commentators, uh, uh, Palmer, Earl Palmer, had a mind problem there for a moment. Earl Palmer said, this book is about power. It's about battle. It's about freedom. It's about faith. It's about evil. It's about hope. The book of Revelation is supremely a book about the meaning of the lordship of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. It's a nourishing and encouraging letter, not only to seven first century congregations, but also to we who read it now 2,000 years later. Let's approach Revelation in this spirit and in this sense. And remember all of these things that I have said about our interpretation of it as we then begin to work through the text. Now, today we're going to look only at the first three verses of Revelation, partly because of time consideration, but also because it is so important that we understand all of these things that I've just been talking about as we read. I will not be reading the full text of our study in these video lessons. We will expect that you will be reading along as I'm speaking, or better yet, that you will have read each passage before you listen to the video and then before you participate, perhaps, in one of the small groups. But let's read briefly. Since it is so brief, I'll read just the first three verses. The Revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Let's think about some of the important things that are said in this opening of the letter, the salutation, if you will. Let's remember that the revelation is about Jesus Christ. It's not just about wild beasts and amazing battles and lakes of fire and raptures and all kinds of other things. It is supremely about Jesus Christ. Jesus is, we believe, the link between God and humanity in some sense. And through Jesus, through his life, through his words, through his actions, through his death and resurrection, Jesus communicates the deepest truths about the most important things. Jesus is the one who is speaking to John. John has a great vision a vision that John chooses to write down for us in this apocalyptic and prophetic way. John is the intermediary, the messenger between God and us. Remember that John says what Jesus says, that we are blessed as we hear and read these words. To be blessed means that you know the right things and that you experience God in your life here and now. And so, friends, I invite you as we begin this study to pray and to think about how God is going to speak to you his deep and important word. I'll tell you right now my summary of the entire book of Revelation. It is this God wins. 
Whose side do you want to be on? It's been great to be with you. God bless.